Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we've got the busiest March ever. We've got two conferences we're speaking at toward the end of the month. You'll find details of those on conversationaltransformation.com on the events page. You can uh, interact with us, ask us questions, bug us, disagree with us, all the fun things you can't do here on the podcast. And then I'm doing a workshop uh, also in that same week on decoding tech talk. Uh, That's all about how to talk to your tech team without going insane, which is uh, always a fun topic. That's uh, details on that are on douglassquirrel.com or linked from the same events page. And then Jeffrey, you're doing uh, conversational dojos like I've never seen before. You're doing so many. (laughs) That's right. We've got three coming up in the rest of the month. So one on Thursday this week, the 11th, uh, one next week on the 17th, uh, which will be particularly focused on building trust. And then we'll have our regularly scheduled dojo on the, the 23rd. So that's a, you have a a Thursday, a Wednesday, and a Tuesday to choose from. So hopefully there's something in there for you to come and practice your difficult conversations at the Conversational Dojo. No excuse for not showing up with a piece of paper and and practicing. That's right. And as as you said, these are linked from our events page. Fantastic. So uh, we've got an exciting topic today. Remind me what it is. Oh, that's right. You know, you had told me that uh, we we have to, to ask people who are encountering some a boss that seems to be coming from another planet. So, what what do you do if your boss seems to be from Mars? Absolutely. So, we had this. Um, Jeffrey and I do some joint coaching, and we were uh, helping out uh, a client. And this client uh, was describing how she uh, had a a boss who had just asked her to do stuff that that didn't make any sense. And uh, it really felt like uh, a, a completely different um, type of request. Suddenly, this boss was um, not saying, uh, hey, uh, here, here's the priority order for your work. Uh, I'd like you to stop doing X and start doing Y. The boss said, we've got to do this right now. It's super important. The dominoes aren't falling. Uh, the, the rest of the organization isn't getting going on X. And so uh, we need to get going on X without commenting on all the other things that this person was doing. And she said, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? This guy's nuts. He doesn't know what he's doing. What do you think about that reaction to a new direction from somebody in your organization? <laughs> well, what's, what's amusing me is by chance after that, I was on Clubhouse and joined a room that was talking about what to do about bad bosses. What if, what if you have a bad boss? And, and, but as I listened to it, one thing that occurred to me over my career as a as a manager, it's um, is that I probably I I know I've been a bad manager for people in the ways they were describing at different times in my career. Not not all the ways. There were some ways that were clearly pathological, but in the way that sort of not giving people what they expected, certainly that had happened, and it reminded me of this topic um, that uh, there the way that I would manage people now is very different than I would have when I was initially a, 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 a first, first line manager. And part of that is a function, not just of experience and learning what it means to be a good manager, but there's a much larger component, which is the, the different level that I'm uh, working at, the different types of experience. Uh, and it's just a very different thing being a manager with a group of people uh, who I'm uh, the, the team that I work with all the time, who are doing the job that I was just doing previously, where I am 
something of an expert then on what they're doing. I can help coach them very directly. And where I am now as a managing director, where I have a very cross-functional group of people reporting to me who actually I've never necessarily done their jobs. So I have people who are you know, in sales, who are running support, who's a director of product. I have staff engineers. I have quant researchers. So just this very wide uh, scope of functions reporting to me. And, and I think you're saying, Jeffrey, that you've never done any of those jobs. You've never been a quant researcher or a salesman running a financial sales organization or anything like that. You, you haven't done those things. I've done, I've done some of them, but many of them I haven't. So I've, I'm running a, a product organization uh, that I'm familiar with. Um, I've been an engineer, though never a staff engineer. So so some at least commonality there, but these other ones um, are, are, yes, very different from my, my experience. So I'm no longer... Uh, um, the kind of relationship I have to their decisions, the relationship I have to the work that they're doing. And I think most relevant here, the kind of trade-offs that they need to be making, uh, uh, I, I just can't provide the same kind of input and insight. And so I don't try to. Uh, I, I behave differently uh, and because I don't try to make decisions on their behalf. And I think that's part of being a good manager in this case, where I'm providing them information rather than uh, I'm trying to do the role for them. But that might be a bit of a, a, of a shock, for, I think, for people who are, are not used to managers who aren't overseeing their work directly. It certainly was a shock to the person we were talking to. It really sounded like she was suddenly hearing this message from this, this other planet. I, I, I have an interesting experience that as, from my very first management role that I always use as the reference for the case where you're kind of that, you, you called it a player coach, Jeffrey, where you're, you're kind of knowledgeable about all the work of the people underneath you. When I was uh, very first managing, I'd just um, taken on a, a, a totally new type of role. I was I was uh, organizing a team to get a, a task done by a certain time, and I'd never done that before. And the person who was managing me said, "Well, Squirrel, what you should do is just take this group of very junior folks um, who, who who know just a little bit less than you. Start at one end of the row. There were they were sat in a row on the on the desk, and uh, there were four of them in a row. And start with number one." ask her where she's stuck, uh, get her unstuck and, and get her working, and then go to number two and get him unstuck, figure out what he's doing, make sure he's on track. And by the time you get to number four, it'll be time to go back to number one. So just <laughs> keep going along the row and keep helping each of them and uh, you know take a break for lunch. But otherwise, that's what you do all day. And that was a very good model for that type of leadership. And I think that's what the, that type of management room, and, and I think that's what our, uh, our kind of less uh, uh, junior version of this was what our coachee was expecting. She was expecting someone to come along. It was, when it was her turn on the row, that person would, would the, the manager would give her some direction, would say, do this one and not that, and you're doing this correctly, good for you, and change this one. And that wasn't what he was doing. And it's that shift that um, I often see in, um, as, as a, a shock to people in that situation because suddenly they're functioning very, very differently. And, and one of the things that, that, that happens that makes this change and, uh, is that it's a, it comes with becoming more senior. It comes uh, uh, often, it comes with, and maybe it's not a promotion, but being given more responsibility. Um, uh, and that's where you would expect that now you're going to have more things delegated to you. And, and this is growth. This is what, what growth looks like, but it can be uncomfortable because it means now taking responsibility for decisions that normally or previously you wouldn't have had to make on your own. 
I'm, I'm thinking of the situational leadership model, which I've been talking to uh, some people about recently. And the idea of situational leadership is that as the manager, you interact with the person based on their readiness level. And so there's a time in the relationship where you're just telling the person what to do if they um, have no idea, if, if, there, or if there's things that are holding them back, you might just be very directive. Then you move into a position of selling them where you're sort of teaching them what to do and, and selling them the benefits of a particular approach. Then you have a supporting phase where you are helping them think it through, but, but basically the decisions are really coming from them uh, and you're just facilitating. And then finally you reach this level of delegating where it's like, okay, look, you can handle this and the trade-offs involved and you, and more of it now goes to that, to the, to the person to uh, run independently. And, and that, and that last one is, is, is the real uh, big shift because you no longer have the sort of psychological safety net you have before of the manager being a partner in the decisions. And I think that can be a bit disorienting. How does that match your experience from, from coaching? Oh, absolutely. That's uh, often exactly what I'm helping people through and I'm helping them at both ends of it. So I have people who are moving along that situational leadership path. If you uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, of course, but there's a famous picture that kind of looks like a, a winding path and um, there are people who are moving along that themselves. So I'm telling them to do things. One of my favorite things to do is tell people to go on a, on a listening tour. So I say, your job is now not what it used to be. It used to be that kind of going along the line, telling the next person uh, in, in order what to do. Now your job is much more about alignment. So go and uh, listen to this group of people that you've never talked to before who are not in your organization and understand what they need. I have somebody I'm going to be talking to later this morning who's in the middle of that and finding it really enlightening. So that's um, uh, one of the paths that I'm helping people on is, is helping to become that leader who is, is functioning in the, in the new situation and uh, performing more alignment tasks and um, giving less uh, immediate direction and, and may not know how many of those folks do their jobs. And the other thing is being, as you're doing that, you're also adjusting to new levels of leadership and new types of leadership from those above you in the organization. So I'm often helping people on both sides of it. Now, the, the thing that occurs to me is, as we talk about this, is um, how frequently the people I'm working with um, who are experiencing this uh, haven't really been trained in being a manager. And they're, the people managing them haven't been trained in being a manager. So um, one of the things that we do when we go and talk to them is we bring in all these frameworks as well as experience and say, here's how you can make sense of what's happening. By the way, here's the, the transition you're going through. and and Or if you're helping someone else with the transition, here's how you can help them through it. Uh, but it's often the case that then the, the, the people are going through this transition from someone who's leading them through it, actually who's not leading them through it, who, who, is, who is going through their own transformation, their own transition, and isn't as, as uh, consciously thinking about what the person who's new to the role is going through. Uh, so if this makes sense that, 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 uh, it's, we're describing this in terms of, yep, there's this management theory to explain what to do and we might help guide people through it. Um, but it's, it's often the case. And this goes back to the idea of the, the conversation about, uh, bad managers I was listening to last night is the people listening were, uh, had high expectations, uh, of what their managers already knew. Um, but my own experience is that it's very, it's very rare for organizations these days to invest a lot in actual formal, formal training of managers. And that leads to 
people behaving bad in all kinds of ways because it's there's a, there's a lot of things you need to do to be a good manager and you miss any one of them and you can be a bad manager in some way <laughs> and uh and and so there's that element i think it's one of the things that occurred to me as i was listening to it is that it's actually very useful for people even if they're not managers to learn some management theory to help understand what is actually happening to them with what they're going through Excellent. Well, you can certainly follow the links in the show notes to, to learn more about situational leadership. Uh, you can ask us for more information, and there's certainly lots of uh, podcasts we've done on on leadership. So go back to some of the episodes um, that, uh, that that we've done in that in that area, or uh, pick your favorite um, book on this topic. There's there's so many. There's absolutely no shortage. So if you're an individual contributor, one of the things you might do, whether or not you ever intend to be a manager, is to to pick up some of the theory. And uh, it, it, for, for me, I don't know if you agree, Jeffrey, it, it almost doesn't matter which one you pick up because they're all <laughs> going to give similar sorts of messages. And if you have any framework for what's happening, if you have any context to put that message from Mars into, then it will feel less like it's from Mars and you'll be able to function better with it. What do you think? Uh, exactly right. And you'll begin to develop one of the things that we talk about a lot on, on the show is empathy. You'll be able to develop some understanding of what your manager, what the, your boss is going through. And and, it, and that's going to be very helpful for interpreting what you're hearing. So it's like you're learning a bit of Martian, <laughs> which can can really be helpful. Exactly. And the last thing I would note here is that uh, we, we picked this up as we were coaching our, our friend last night. One of the things that can happen is that the uh, messages you're getting from Mars will sound like a bad boss. It'll sound like the, the wrong thing because it would have been the wrong thing in the previous context. So this boss sounded like he was doing a bad job, not giving this person uh, priority direction, not helping uh, with understanding of the, um, uh, of, of the work that she was doing. But in fact, at this new level, this boss was functioning exactly as he should, and in fact, doing a very good job of alignment and, and um, uh, giving direction about which uh, tasks were most important at that time and how the context was changing. So if your boss sounds bad, if your boss sounds like he or she is from Mars, get some theory. It may actually, uh, you may actually be able to translate the Martian and understand that what, what you're hearing is actually very valuable. All right. Well, thanks, Jeffrey. Uh, uh, if listeners want to disagree with any of that, want to argue with us, tell us that their boss actually is bad, we'd, we'd sure like to hear about that. You can find us, as we are noting at the top, uh, at conversationaltransformation.com. There's a list of events there, including the dojos and the workshop and the two conferences and whatever else we think up by the time this goes live. So uh, we'd love to hear from you there, and you'll find our Twitter and email and carrier pigeon and whatever else you're, you're, strikes your fancy there to, to hear from us. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Ro.